At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, the Executive Director of the Commonwealth Policy Center. And if you haven't noticed, there's a tension between church and culture. Uh, we're seeing, I believe, an increasing hostility towards those who hold to biblical ethics, especially regarding marriage and moral boundaries regarding human sexuality. But we're also seeing, I believe, a deep skepticism from the church towards culture. Uh, joining me to discuss this topic of Christianity and culture is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church in Lexington. Robert, welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. Thanks for having me. Robert, you recently gave a talk on this topic uh, of church and culture, Christianity and culture, and I think you offered a deeply biblical perspective, um, and yet it's one that we we don't often hear. And I'm curious, why is it that we're not hearing more about the church's role in society or maybe the church's place in their community when it comes to addressing some of the issues? Uh, 2020 has been maybe one of the most tense years of my life uh, for a number mm. of reasons, whether it's COVID-19 pandemic or massive protests or a highly contentious election. Uh, it's It's been a challenging year for many of us. And yet the church, um, and, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but uh, it, 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 I, I'm just wondering if the church has played the role that uh, would reflect biblical principles. And that's a big, uh, that's right. a, a big perspective right there. But um, what is the church's? Let me. I'll put it this way: What is the church's? Uh, what is the church's appropriate role uh, in culture uh, when it comes to? And, and let's just boil it down to the community level. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so to your to your previous point, by the way, I'm I am. Uh, quarantining in my home. I found the quietest place in the house I could find. But if you hear, I got four boys homeschooling upstairs. If you hear, if you hear boys fighting or mama screaming, that's what's going on. Okay. Um, I think um, to your first point there, um, you know, I think there's two things going on. I do think that um, the increased secularization of our society has kind of pushed the um, the church's voice to the margins. I do th think that there is a marginalization going on. Um, I, I think it's it's hard to deny that. Um, there there is a further separation of the church's voice in the public square um, from any serious consideration. So I do think that that's going on. But I also think that Christians uh, too often point to that as kind of this subtle persecution and marginalization as the reason why the church um, is not involved in public thought and public justice and, and culture formation. Um, and I, I think that's probably a little, yes, that's going on, but I think that's probably, um, we need to look inward and ask um, whether the church has a robust vision of cultural engagement, whether we are 
raising up public thought leaders, um, whether it's even on our radar. Um, and I, I think the combination of kind of a marginalization from culture and then really just a devaluing of that public work, um, cultural work in the church come together and, and it makes it so it's it's pretty much a, a church that uh, an American culture that it really isn't a part of the discussions and isn't even thinking in those categories. Yeah. So, so Robert, I was with a pastor yesterday, a small group of people, and we were talking about the church's appropriate role in their community. And yep. of course, whenever you think of this, you talk about this topic, you have um, history to look at. Uh, and in some, some places in history, the, the church has done well with that. But there have been other places where the church hasn't done so well. And I think so that tempers how people think about it. But also theology has a, a large impact in how people think of the church's role in culture. So during this conversation, uh, a person said, look, we're going to invest in things that are eternal. Uh, we're not going to invest in things that are just going to burn up anyway. And that's part of a prevailing th theology, end times theology that says, yeah. look, the, the God's going to destroy the earth. It's going to be burned up in fire. Um, and we didn't have time to really unpack that. I know there are different perspectives on right. um, end time theology, but how would you respond to that if you had more time to unpack? Well, look, the, the earth is going to burn up. Um, yeah. Why invest? why invest in community? Why invest in culture? Um, man, I could, I, we only have a half hour. I could talk a lot on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. My, my initial thoughts would be um, that probably represents a, a line of thinking that um, has been a part of Protestant evangelicalism um, over uh, the past century. It certainly was not the view of, of Protestants in the early formation of our country, but it absolutely, with the rise of dispensationalism and, um, you know, you talked about, you know, a certain type of eschatology has, has brought about this idea. It's all going to burn. Let's just save souls go to heaven. And um, my response would, would be this, just, I just don't think, you know, with, with all due respect, I just don't think that that's the biblical vision that we have been given by our Lord. Um, fundamentally, um, he, he calls us to pray, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, we are not a people trying to escape this earth to get to heaven. We are a people bearing witness to a heaven that's coming to earth. And when you look at the end of the story, it is not uh, disembodied souls escaping to another realm um, floating around in clouds forever. It is a new heavens and a new earth. Heaven comes down to us. We don't go to heaven. And so what our role is here is um, to bear witness to what is to come, uh, to be, you know, he, he identifies us in his Sermon on the Mount as salt and light. And, and, that, and that's our role. Um, in, in culture. And, um, and yes, what we do here does matter. Um, it, it is significant. And, um, and it, it's not just, they, of course, I'm, I believe in evangelism um, thoroughly, uh, but the Great Commission has been, um, has been misunderstood as only evangelism. He says, go and disciple the nations and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. What that's saying is, I want you to go and I want you Yes, to evangelize, but I want you to disciple them in my ways and in obedience to my ways and create cultures, create nations uh, that honor 
Jesus is king. That's very good. Uh, so the early church culture, we know that uh, when people came to faith in Christ, it was a radical life change because you, you look at the Roman Empire and the influence that they had on culture. Uh, obviously, yeah. uh, their view of human beings was different. Uh, the yeah. way they treated women was different. Uh, uh, their moral boundaries are nowhere near what Christianity teaches. So when the church began, you saw this elevation of women. You saw this elevation mm -hmm. of the unborn child that was left on the corner to die. You know, infanticide was yeah. practiced widely in Roman culture. So Christianity, by living out uh, their faith, this newfound faith in Christ, created a culture. And it wasn't through the, the legislative arena, uh, but it was in their community. Um, I want to bring us to where we are today, where there seems to be a, what I hear from the culture is this cry for dignity, whether it's uh, racial dignity, whether it's uh, women seeking dignity or equal treatment. Um, it seems that we would have something to say when it comes to human dignity, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying in culture now is um, we are entering into, so you mentioned the early church. Um, they were entering into a non-Christian culture and 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 their witness Christianized culture, so to speak. Uh, what we are entering in now is we're entering into a post-Christian phase. Um, and and so what you have is you have a society and a culture borrowing from Christian assumptions, taking for granted Christian assumptions like the dignity piece, um, like human rights, these self-evident truths that we subscribe to that just come natural to us as Americans, these are utterly revolutionary ideas that, that came about when, by the Christian worldview influencing the world. Now, the problem is, is, is what happens when you borrow from the Christian truths, but reject the Christian worldview. And that's kind of where we're entering in. So you can have a tree that you can see the fruits um, on the tree, but the roots could be dead. And eventually it'll stop bearing fruit. Um, and that's kind of where we are as a culture right now. We're still bearing the fruits of, of Christian assumptions and the Christian worldview and borrowing from it. But but I'm I'm more concerned. The reason why I'm so involved in um, public theology is because I'm really concerned that we're rejecting the root. And, and eventually that fruit will stop coming and we'll, we'll start rejecting these uh, self-evident truths that come from the Christian worldview. That's really good. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, Executive Director of CPC, and with me is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church in Lexington. We're talking Christianity and culture. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment. Growing up as a child, who did you turn to whenever you had a crisis? Who was your source of strength? Who held you in the darkest situations and became your beacon of light? Most of us will recall the love of our parents, our grandparents, our family. But the harsh reality today is that there are many who face the dark places of life totally alone. Since 1869, the mission and the ministry of Sunrise Children's Services has been to help children in crisis. That need grows every day in Kentucky. Everyone with a passion for children can join us in giving hope to children in need. To learn more, just visit sunrise.org or call 1-800-456-1386. Matthew 25:40 tells us, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now's the time to be a child's source of strength. 
Come help us at Sunrise Children's Services. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that the news media isn't always fair. In fact, there's lots of far-left bias and political gamesmanship. No surprise there. So if you're looking for a perspective that's grounded in the truth of Scripture and our nation's founding principles, then get plugged into CPC's resources. Sign up for our e-newsletter at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Commonwealth Policy Center. And we're on Twitter at CPC for Kentucky. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Robert Cunningham, and we're talking Christianity and culture. And just before the break, Robert, you were talking about uh, us entering a post-Christian uh, era, and we're this culture that we live in now, if I was hearing correctly, you're saying it was built on Christian premises. So Christianity has influenced the culture, this idea of human dignity, that there's value uh, in each human life, and that human life should be respected uh, and nurtured, and we're losing that uh, for the for the right. most part. Um, how does uh, how do we as Christians who care about our neighbor? We, the second great command is to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we we want to love our neighbor. We want to honor God. How do we re-enter the conversation, if you will? Because quite frankly. Uh, the church has been apart from culture, not involved, as you said in the first segment. We have not been involved with the conversations. We're not developing thought leaders. We're not present at the table. Where do we where do we begin? In fact, let me so hold on to that thought for just a moment. Yeah. I would argue that the church, the large part of the evangelical church, has had cultural confrontation. They've been in the mode where the culture is the enemy. What's going on there is the enemy. And the church has become more of a bomb shelter. We're going to huddle here. We're going to retreat here, keep ourselves pure from the world. That has been the mindset. And we're learning that that cannot continue. Uh, right. There's a culture that's that's hurting. People are hurting. So where do we begin in the conversation in light of that? Yeah, I think, I think there does need to be um, a new paradigm that's embraced. Um, you, you, you just alluded to that. Um, I, I think... In, in my camp, I'm uh, I'm in the conservative evangelical world. My camp, the predominant paradigm has been what you just mentioned, which which I call fortification, uh, fortify the walls, hide, and um, and you know the good of a fortification model is that it does retain our identity, but in hiding from the world, we compromise our mission. And then when you look at kind of the 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 mainline denominations. Um, you see, you don't see a fortification, you see an accommodation. Um, and to be charitable to those expressions of Christianity, um, what you do see there is a true engagement with the world. They really are concerned about the poor. They really are concerned about issues of justice. Um, but by assimilating to the world, they compromise their identity. And then there's, there's this, this one that's risen. It's not accommodation. It's not fortification. It's, it's domination. And um, so this is a folk. This is this is a paradigm that says we are going to hold on to our identity, and we are going to engage the world. But the way we engage the world is is a culture war. It is the world is a is an enemy to be defeated, not a neighbor to be loved. And so, you know, the paradigm that that I espouse, the Asian I like, is an incarnation. And um, and what you see in Jesus is you see all of the benefits of all these. You see him hold on to his identity, yet engage the world, 
and yet does it um, as not not as a as a world to be defeated, but as neighbors to be loved. And so, kind of reimagining what cultural engagement. I think it does start with paradigms, uh, but then there's you know we can get into philosophies of how that's implemented and and all of that. But we do have to we do have to get the idea of what it means. We we've got to agree upon that and kind of get a more robust view of that. So uh, when you look at what's happening uh, here in, in our country, there's, there just seems to be such a division. You have these tribes uh, on both ends of the political spectrum. And to, to get out there in the middle and to start a conversation even uh, yeah. is dangerous. Robert, mm-hmm. you're going to be accused of being <laughs> caving in or accommodating the other side or giving up some of your beliefs. I want us to how do we begin that conversation as an evangelical Christian? How can I step into the fray, if you will? How can I engage with somebody who's you know, politically opposed to me, somebody who's a secularist, somebody in, the, mm-hmm. uh, in a different community? How can I do that uh, in, and uh, not be shot at from both sides, <laughs> right, so to speak? Well, I, 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 what you just said may not be possible. Um, how can you enter into the discussion, not be shot at at both sides? I think the important part is that you are shot at from both sides. Mm. And what I mean by that is uh, Jesus was very clear. Look, people are going to hate you if you follow me. I mean, like you will be hated for my namesake. How do you know if you're being hated for his namesake Um, and not for you (laughs) and not for a political tribe or partisans or just because you're a jerk? Well, the way you know um, is that the hatred you're receiving is not relegated to one tribe or one camp. And so um, if you, I think if you do cultural engagement well, you will be loved, you will be hated, and you will be loved and you will be hated from many different tribes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, if if you can be pitched and hold, if you're a follower of Jesus and a kingdom that transcends these the kingdoms of this world, and you can be easily pigeonholed into one of the partisan tribes of our culture, um, then then you, something is off. And 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 so I don't think you can get away. I don't think you can engage culture and not not upset people. You know, I, don't, I think it's impossible. And Jesus said as much. I just think you need to be careful that you're not only upsetting a certain type of view, a certain type of people. Um, but to add, let me let me answer real quick. And I know you're at this question. You you said how do you do that? How do you start? I think I in my experience, and and I've done this. I've done this with the Herald Leader. I've done this um, with Kentucky Sports Radio, and 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 I'm doing it with my own podcast now. In my experience, engaging a post-Christian secular world, um, a Christian who leads the way Jesus asks us to lead, which is with humility with apology, um, with self-critique, with confession, um, that, in my experience, that has always been welcome. My voice has always been welcome when it's a voice that goes out of its way to, to humbly confess where the church has got it wrong and apologize for that and all that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, you're listening to Robert Cunningham at Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church. I'm Richard Nelson with CPC. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that the news media isn't always fair. In fact, there's lots of far-left bias and political gamesmanship. No surprise there. So if you're looking for a perspective that's grounded in the truth of Scripture and our nation's founding principles, 
then get plugged into CPC's resources. Sign up for our e-newsletter at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Commonwealth Policy Center. And we're on Twitter at CPC for Kentucky. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Robert Cunningham, and we are talking Christianity and culture. And Robert, just before the break, uh, we were talking about how to engage in a very hostile arena um, without being attacked from both sides. And you responded that it's probably not going to happen. You will be you will be criticized from both sides, uh, maybe attacked from both sides. Uh, but you also may be, if you engage in the right way, with humility, with grace, uh, and having an, an apologetic that's winsome, uh, is what I was hearing, uh, yeah. then, you, then you're going to also have people who love you from both sides. And I would, uh, I would argue uh, that there are, and it's, maybe it's obvious, I don't even have to argue it, People are hurting today. There are deep wounds. There are deep hurts today. And as I understand Christianity, we have a we have a Savior who came to uh, to heal those wounds. He came to restore us. He came to give us hope. And if there's any entity in culture today that can speak to those deep wounds, that can bridge racial gaps, that can bridge a gender gap that can reach people who are very much outside the church it would, or outside of having a relation with God, it would be the church. And mm-hmm. so it seems that there are plenty of opportunities there for the, for the church to engage, for, the, for, for individuals to begin the conversations. Um, it, it, and, and this is what, what I see as needing to happen today. If the culture is going to change, if we care about culture and if we care about people, uh, it it will be the church that takes that step to lead. Yeah, we have we have the resources. Um, we have um, everything that our culture is seeking to find. Um, it's notion of justice, the notion of um, quality, and and um, everything that our culture is crying out for. Um, their cry is right, um, but the the resources aren't there. Um, and and the gospel, like I said, I think it's a Christian cry. Uh, I think it's it's a cry based on Christian assumptions inherited from uh, a Christian foundation. But if they could rediscover, um, if they could rediscover the source of these these cultural longings and and cries. Um, you know, I think it's compelling. I, I agree with you. I, I don't, in my experience, and, and I have experience here, I, it's just, there is no big, bad, scary world out there. There is on social media, there is on cable news, but if you actually to go talk to your neighbor, uh, the hurting and they're longing and they're lonely and, um, and, and they're very open to, to discussions about these types of things and very open to hearing the Christian perspective on it. That's good. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, maybe we've gotten comfortable in the church. Um, we, we, we go and we worship with a group that are like us. We fall into a routine. Um, but if we understand the gospel and if we let the gospel grip our hearts, it should, compel us to be compassionate to those who 
those who are hurting, uh, those who are unlike us. And the, the older I get, uh, and as I grow in the faith, and I'm a work in progress, but uh, my heart does hurt for, for the brokenness that's there, um, for those yeah. who are struggling, those who've been wounded. And I mean, isn't this what Jesus did for us? Isn't this the gospel? I mean, this is the God of the universe who took pity on us and yeah. saw that we were perishing. We were hopeless. We had this sin that we bore and um, that tied us down. He, yeah. he, he bore our pain and he came and, and died for us so that we might be reconciled to God the Father. Yeah, uh, that's good news. I mean, that's the good news of the gospel that the world needs to hear. Um, yeah. how, how, so it needs to hear it. Uh, the church has the, the church has the message, and and we're talking about how to uh, how to bridge that gap. So uh, there's a passage, Robert, in Second Corinthians five twenty that talks about followers of Jesus being ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors, and if you think of that, it's the it's the role of a diplomat that uh, would would engage with other uh, you know other high authorities. Uh, you, you, we have a uh, we have ambassadors around the world. Our country has uh, consulates all around the world, and it doesn't mean that those people are in alignment with us or agree with us. But we have conversations that are going right with these other nations. And uh, I wonder if we really took on uh, that understanding as, that we're ambassadors of Christ, if that might help us to see cultural engagement in a different way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think maybe maybe a good way to conceptualize that is you, everyone is an ambassador of something, and um, you are carrying on a cause. You are you are. Um, you know, everybody, you, you look at, you look at the political figures, you know, Donald Trump is an ambassador of, of something. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is an ambassador of something. Everybody has a cause. They have a passion. They have something that they are carrying out and, and living for. And, um, my concern is that if you were to ask the public, um, you know, who, who is the evangelical church? Who are they ambassadors for? I just don't know if the first thing would be Jesus. I, I, I think they would see us as ambassadors of a, a certain political tribe, certain cause, but I don't so know. So Robert, that's good. We're, that, and that is a challenge. What I'm hearing, we're running out of time. I, I yeah. really, we probably need to do another program. But what I'm hearing from you is that that is a challenge for the church. If the world doesn't see us first and foremost as being ambassadors for Christ, then then there's then we have an issue. So, um, Robert, we are we're out of time. Uh, if you're just tuning in, you've been listening to the Commonwealth Matters. I want to encourage you if you'd like to get more information about the Commonwealth Policy Center uh, and what we do, you can go to our website, CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. Uh, sign up to get on our uh, email update. We have an e-newsletter that comes out uh, once a month. We cover issues and events here in Kentucky from a biblical worldview. Uh, you can also find other resources on our website, the uh, Commonwealth Minute program. We have a daily blog and we have podcasts as well. Robert Cunningham, it's been great to have you on this program. Uh, we'd love for you to join us again. Thanks, Richard. Anytime. God bless. And you have. All right. God bless. All right. Bless.